listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Growth is never accidental. That's the first thing you need to see. Growth is never accidental. Hey, Britt, it's always on purpose. Growth is always on purpose. And so nobody accidentally goes into success. Nobody accidentally goes into increase. Even people that we call, you know, um, overnight successes. (laughs) They're only overnight successes to us because we overnight knew their name, but they've been working at it for years uh, to get where they are to where they become quote unquote, an overnight success. Nobody's just an overnight success. They've been working. They've been, they've been, uh, faithful. They've been diligent. And, um, so growth is never accidental and, um, increase is never accidental. And that's the first thing I want you to understand today and write down because it's so vital that we catch this. Because if we think that there's going to come a day where somehow God is going to then just somehow bestow increase upon us, just like somehow we, we accessed his unknowable favor. And of course, we've done teaching on favor. It doesn't work like that. All growth, all increase is planned and it's actionable. It's always actionable. And so I wanted to give you three things, three questions that you got to answer in your own personal life if you're going to see growth or increase in any area of life. And of course, um, we're talking about um, your own personal purpose and what your calling is in your life. That's the primary thing that we're talking about, but it applies to any area of growth or increase in your life. And so today I want to present or give you three questions that you as a believer have to answer if you're going to see increase and growth in your life. And these are important and every one of them is scriptural. And so when you answer these questions, it actually allows you to step forward into the growth that God's planned for your life. Remember this, remember this, nobody, there's no believer on the earth that God does not want them to increase. That's so vital that you have that in your heart and know it. Don't ever think that there's some believers, you know, God just wants them small And then, you know, um, there's other believers God wants them to increase. You know, I've heard people say that even regarding um, churches. You know, I've actually heard people argue that regarding local churches. And they'll be like, well, you know, God has big churches that he wants to be large and thriving. And then God, you know, has other churches that he wants them to be small. Like I've, I've heard people argue that. There's other churches that God wants them to be small because a small church is effective for some purposes and then a large church is effective for other purposes. But that's not the case. You won't find that in scripture. Do you actually think that there are parts of God's body in the world, the body of Christ, that he wants to remain in a small place? Remember this, the smaller you are, the less impactful you can be. The smaller you are, the less impactful you can be. It's just, that's that's not any great revelation, I would hope, to anybody. That's just common sense. The smaller you are, 
the less effective and impactful you can be. There's no, there's no question about that. The more you increase, the more you increase, the more effective you can be, the more impactful you can be. For example, let me just give you a very basic analogy about that. Do you think that I could help more? Let's, let's just say if we we're just going straight from a humanitarian uh, position, do you think I could help more people um, that were poor, hungry, those that were orphaned, those that were widowed, those that were, do you think I could help more of them if I was a billionaire or if I was a thousandaire? <laughs> think about it. Could I help more people if I was a billionaire or a thousandaire? Well, of course we know that if I was a billionaire, I would have far more resources to touch far more people, which shows you that at a higher level, the, the bigger you are, the more effective you can be. The more resources you have, the more effective you can be. And so because God wants us to be ultimately effective and impactful, he does not want us to diminish. He does not want us to be small. He wants us to increase. A never-ending increase is our story. And so, of course, we know the verse that I quote to you all the time is from Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. God wants your path to get brighter and brighter and brighter until the full light of day, the Bible says. And so that means that God doesn't want your path bright one day and dark the next day, you know, increasing one day and then the next day dark. No, not roller coaster Christianity. Up one year, down the next year. You know, up one month, down the next month. That's not God's plan for your life. His plan for you is never-ending increase in the kingdom. But once again, it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens on purpose. It happens on purpose. And so just as almost like a check, you know, I, I'm always talking about introspection. I believe introspection is one of the most important elements in the life of any believer. That's why the Bible says, judge yourself and you'll not be judged. Judge yourself and you'll not be judged. That's introspection. Looking inside of your own life and saying, you know, where is it that I need to change today? That's introspection. That's why the Bible says, judge yourself and you'll not be judged. Because if you'll keep an eye on you, then somebody else doesn't have to correct you or discipline you. And that's that's what introspection is. And so I want to give you these three things that are very, very important if you want to see never-ending increase in your own personal life, ministry, or business, the purpose that God's placed upon you. And so I want you to write these down and get them in your notes, get them in the comments. Number one, first question that you've got to, you've got to answer is this, what should I be focused on? That is massive. That's massive. What should I be focused on? First question. Put it in the comments. And this is something that you would think is, you would think that this would be obvious for people. You say, oh yeah, that's that that'd be that's baseline. That's fundamental. That's foundational. But sadly, it is not foundational. It's not baseline for many people, but it has to be the first question you ask yourself or else you'll not be able to see expedited growth and increase. And so let me break that down. What should I be focused on? What does that mean? Well, one of the things that we know is that God has specific plans 
for every individual believer. God has a specific purpose for every individual believer. My purpose is not the same as your purpose in a specific sense. Of course, in a general sense, we're all supposed to be winning souls and you know fulfilling the Great Commission. But I mean in a specific sense. What are you supposed to be focused on? You know what's an interesting thing? <clears throat> I In going around the world, <clears throat> I've been able to meet many world changers when it comes to the kingdom of God. Some of them are dead now. I got to meet them and spend time with them before they went on to be with the Lord. And even from a young age, even before, like right as I was getting into college, I started to realize that if I'm going to have the opportunity to meet all of these world changers, these people that have shaken their generation for the kingdom of God, I should be able to glean wisdom from their life. And so I made up my mind that whenever I met one, somebody that had shaken their generation or shaken their nation or uh, multiple nations, I would ask them a question. And I, I made up my mind that when I asked this question, I would mark the answer down just to see how many different answers I would get from these powerful men and women of God. And I would ask this question. Of course, I was very young at the time. And I would say, listen, if you could go back in time, you know, because many of them would be 60, 70, 80 years old when I'd speak to them. I'd say, if you could go back in time and speak to yourself at a young age, maybe a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old version of yourself, now that you've lived, now that you've been obedient to the Lord, what would you go back and tell or warn the 20 or 30-year-old version of you? And you know what's interesting? Because I wrote their answers down. Almost every single one of them, although they didn't know each other and had probably never spoken to each other, gave me the exact same answer. You know what their answer was? Their answer was this. I would go back and tell myself to pray and get alone with the Lord and speak to him and find out exactly what he wants me to do and then only do that for the rest of my life. Think about that. That was 90 some percent of them gave that answer. And they didn't, even, they didn't know. I didn't come and say, well, here's what other people have said. What do you say? No, I didn't say that. I said, what would you personally do? And that's exactly what they told me. They said, I would go back to myself and say, pray, get before the Lord and let him speak to you and give you your purpose. And then only do that thing for the rest of your life. That is exactly what I'm talking about in this first question. The first question that I'm asking myself, and you should be asking yourself, what should I be focused on? Why? Well, let me take you to the word. Go with me to the book of Psalms. Let's go to the 127th Psalm. The 127th Psalm. What should I be focused on? Well, obviously, the thing you should be focused on is what God wants you to be focused on. And you can only determine that through prayer and fasting. That's it. Because remember this, you cannot keep you cannot glean your exact purpose from the written word of God. You can't do it. You have to get it from prayer and fasting. 
This gives us a general means of, of, of living as believers. But if we want to know specifically what God wants us to do, we've got to ask him. But notice this. Here is why. God bless you, Tony. Here is why we have to ask him. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Isn't that interesting? The watchman. So what's the word of God telling us here? It's telling us that if God's not in what you're doing, then your work is for nothing. Your efforts are for nothing. So here's what you have to really glean from this passage is that I can just choose to do whatever I want to do. But if I do, then I'm responsible for all of my own increase. I'm responsible for my own protection. I'm responsible for my own resources. I'm responsible for my own strength. I'm responsible for my own help. But if I do what God is commanding me to do as my life's purpose, then he's responsible for the increase. He's responsible for the protection. He's responsible for the strength. He's responsible for the help. Because now I am actually submitting myself to his higher ways and thoughts. We know that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. The Bible tells us that in Isaiah 55. Verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's the Lord speaking. And so I don't want to have to depend on myself for help. I want God to help me in what he's called me to do. Now, here's the real key of, of, of the whole matter right here. Psalm 75, listen to verses 6 and 7. For, it, for not from the east or west or south comes the lifting up or the promotion, but it is God who executes judgment, putting one down and lifting up another. So promotion doesn't come, promotion doesn't ever come by accident. It comes on purpose. Love you, JT. And so the Bible tells us God is the one who brings the increase. Man doesn't bring it. Man can't promote you like God can promote you. And so when we compare that with Psalm 127, we understand the key. If we'll do what he's telling us, if we'll discover his purpose for our life and obey that, then the Bible says he'll be the one that'll lift us up head and shoulders above the rest. See, I've seen so many people, and this is a warning to people because this will keep you out of so much trouble, so much trouble. I've seen people just do things because they saw other people doing them. I've seen people do things because they thought they could do it because somebody else accomplished it. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. That's just pride. All that is is pride. If the Lord didn't tell you to do it, then you should never attempt it. I love what Bishop David Oyedepo said. He said, if God didn't command us to do it, let it go undone. Think about that. Think about that. I want you to write this in the comments. If God didn't tell me to do it, let it go undone. Put that in the comments and never forget it. If God didn't tell me to do it, let it go undone. That's key. 
Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. I don't want to labor in vain. I have zero desire to labor in vain. I want my work to be effective in the body of Christ. If the Lord didn't tell me to do it, let it go undone. Love you, Pastor Rhonda. Important. That's something you should have in your notes. That's something you should never let leave your mind. Because remember this, and this is going to be maybe one of the biggest things you've ever heard somebody say, and it sounds crazy, but remember this. Just because you have the capability to do something doesn't mean you should do something. Remember that. Just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean you should do that thing. You should only do what the Lord tells you to do. Let me say it another way. A need doesn't constitute a calling. That's something you should write down because I wish every minister, I wish every believer knew this. A need does not constitute a calling. A need, I'm saying it again because this is this is life-changing. A need does not constitute a calling. Let me give you a practical example of what I mean by that. A need doesn't constitute a calling. Well, you can look all through the world today and see needs. There are so many needs that need to be met. But just because you can identify a need does not mean it's your calling to meet that need. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. I'm not a fool. I can look around the world, especially in third world nations, and I can see all kinds of things that need to be done. I know that there are many orphanage uh, orphans who need to have orphanages built to help them. Many orphans in many nations, including this one. But <clears throat> just because there are orphans, does not mean that I should, from this point forward, dedicate my life to building orphanages around the world because God never told me to go build orphanages. I'm not saying I would never sow seeds to help orphans and widows. I'm not saying I wouldn't give to bless the poor. It's not what I mean. I'm talking about my calling. I'm talking about my purpose. I'm not called to spend the rest of my life you know, give up what I'm doing here and then just go start building orphanages and raising money to build orphanages all over the world because God never spoke to me personally to do that. If he did, I would do it. And watch this. If he did, not only would I obey him, he would provide supernatural resources for me to build those orphanages and we would abound and we would overflow and we would house so many orphans that it would change our generation. Why? Because God declared it. He commanded it. He's the one that set it in motion. But if he never told me to do it, it goes undone. Now, of course, we have scripture that tells us that we're to bless widows and orphans and we give to the poor. We're one of the largest givers to the, the Feed the Hungry organization in the world. We made sure of that. So it's not that we don't give to bless the poor or bless them financially. We do that. But I'm not going to change my calling and change my purpose because I see a need. A need never constitutes a calling. And that, if you'll get that in your spirit, 
it will help you because what ends up happening is that people have a heart to love others and they start saying, well, I, I can do that. I have this gift. I have this talent. I see a need. I'm just going to go start doing. But remember this, if God didn't call you, you can actually burn yourself out trying to meet all the needs that you see, expending all of your resources and giving all of your strength to never stop meeting needs. But if they're not your needs to meet, if it's not part of your calling and your purpose, it actually will work against you in life. It'll work against you in life because now you're doing things God never told you to do, but you feel, well, I need to do it because I see the need and I've got the, I've got the power to do it. A need doesn't constitute a calling. Brother Daryl Pender saying, prove that to be true. does not constitute a calling. You've got to let the Lord direct you and guide you about what your purpose and your calling is. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you something. This is nerdy. This is extremely nerdy of me uh, to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite types of video games to play uh, growing up was role-playing games. I like being able to take a character and customize that character and develop his abilities uh, in any way that I choose. That was very fun for me. And so uh, I enjoyed that type of video game, the role-playing game. But one of the things, if, if anybody's ever played one, one of the things that you'll <clears throat> know is that um, in order to level that character up, there are certain things that causes that character to change levels and certain skills that if they're developed you know, if you have a, a character that shoots guns, you know, if you if you develop that the ability to shoot guns in the in the game, then there are certain skills that will keep keep causing you to change level levels and go higher in the levels. Well, because of this, people that are like hardcore gamers have figured something out called power leveling. Now, I'm gonna explain this to you because it it does make sense here with what God's called you to do. It's called power leveling. And what they've done is they've discovered that if they wanted to have a super niche type of a character, for example, if if they don't want a well-rounded character, let's say that if you were playing a, a military game, you wanted a character that really all they were good at was sneaking around a stealthy character that was good with a sniper rifle. So you were building a sniper that could literally go through each mission and use sniper skills to complete the mission. Well, they found out <clears throat> that by just leveling maybe three or four attributes instead of 20 that they could level their character up way faster than trying to do all of them and have a well-rounded character. It's called power leveling. So they would only focus on anything that had to do with stealthiness, anything that would have to do with weapons accuracy, you know, those two things that would cause them to become <clears throat> that type of a character. So what would they do? They would ignore everything else that has to do with every other attribute because it's not where they want to go. It's not where they're headed. They want a stealthy sniper. So they're not going to work on, you know, <clears throat> melee weapons or, you know, whatever else there, there might be in the game. So what do they do? <clears throat> what they do is focus on just the attributes that will allow them to quickly level in that one area and become super, um, <clears throat> A, a super niche character that's 
very effective in that specific purpose that they want to have. It is the exact same, exact same in the kingdom of God. There are so many people that are trying to do everything. And that's a mistake. That's a mistake. You can't do everything. You know, it's like, if you've ever heard the, uh, if you've ever heard the term jack of all trades, master of none. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Jack of all trades, master of none. Well, what does that mean? It means that somebody has spent so much time learning lots of things that they've never spent a lot of time learning how to do one thing masterfully. And so that happens. So exactly, Joel. And that, and that's exactly what happens. Uh, my pastor says it this way, that you've got people that are three miles wide and they're one inch deep. They're three miles wide, but they're one inch deep, very shallow, but shallow about a lot of things. I would rather be one inch wide and three miles deep. You understand what that means? It means that I'm focusing on developing my specific calling and purpose to the point that I become masterful in my specific calling and purpose. You can only do that by ignoring the things that don't matter. You can only do that by rejecting the things that would steal your time and your resources and your strength and come back to the focus and focus on the things that will produce what God has called you to do. Some call it the Pareti Principle. If you've ever studied business, you've probably heard of the Pareti Principle it, or, or what some would call the 80-20 rule. Some have even modified that to the 93-7 rule. What does that mean? 7% of the things that you do produce 93% of the increase or, or uh, fruitfulness in your life. That really, we do a lot of things that are just time wasters that aren't actually pushing our purpose forward or doing what God's called us to do. I can remember <clears throat> when I was young, I loved to read. And I can remember when I was young reading Sherlock Holmes novels. And I remember when I was reading Sherlock Holmes novels, he said something one time that I never forgot. Sherlock Holmes was talking to Dr. Watson and Dr. Watson was reading the newspaper and he was asking him about something that everybody would know about. It was a sport or something. Maybe it was a cricket match. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was asking him about something that was that everybody would know about. It was common knowledge and Sherlock Holmes knew nothing about it. And it blew Dr. Watson away. How do you not know about this? And I found Sherlock Holmes' answer so interesting. He said, my mind is a container. And if I'm going to be a successful detective, I have to only, he said, there's limited space in my mind and in my memory. And if I'm going to be a a successful detective, I have to only keep in my mind the things that are going to help me accomplish my purpose as a detective. I need to keep those things in my mind and anything else that would try to fill my mind that would knock those important things out, I've got to reject them. I've got to reject them. Why? Because what I am focused on is much more important than what I shouldn't be focused on. I like what Pastor Motley said. No is a very important word, and that's exactly right. And one of the things you'll recognize is that the more talented, gifted that you become, the more people will try to pull on you in every direction. People will try to pull on you to do everything 
under the sun if you're gifted and if you're talented, which if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you are. And you've got to understand and be able to recognize and discern when something is part of your purpose and calling and when something is not. And when something is not, it just needs to be ignored. As Bishop Oedepo said, if God did not call me or tell me to do it, let it go undone. Let it go undone. You're not, this, this, you know, this is funny because you talk like this and people get freaked out, but let me just encourage you. You personally are not called to solve the entire world's problems. You're not, and you can't, it's impossible. You're supposed to do what you are called to do, what you are called to do. And if God did not tell you to do it, then don't get involved in it. Just don't get involved in it. That's it. I believe, as Joel, Pastor Joel Toller is saying, that the mother of Jesus, Mary's words in John chapter 2, are the way to always have never-ending increase in your life. What she said to the servants at the wedding of Cana, at Cana of Galilee, whatever he says unto you, do it. I like that term. In fact, I'm going to take that, Joel, if you don't mind, and I want you guys to put it in the comments. Joel said, be more selective and you'll be more effective. And I totally, I couldn't agree with that more than I do. Every person that's watching, I want you to put it in the comments. Be more selective and you'll be more effective. That is, that couldn't be more true than it is. <clears throat> be more selective and you'll be more effective. You can't run around trying to do everything and accomplish everything because you're not called to do everything. You have a specific purpose, a specific purpose. And it gets out of line if you remember the analogy that Paul the Apostle gave us in Scripture. He said that every one of us is a member of the body of Christ in particular. We're a member of the body of Christ in particular. What does that mean? It means every one of us has a specific purpose within the body. So how stupid would it be of me if I'm eating my breakfast to start you know, putting things on my fork and then trying to shove them into my ear. My ear is not my mouth. And my ear cannot function as my mouth. It has no ability to do so. And what would happen? Let me ask you a question. What would happen if I just continued to try to shove all the food in my ear and got mad when it wasn't eating the food? Ultimately, you know what would happen? is you would damage your ear. You would damage your ear because it's not meant for that. And to try to force your ear to do something it was not created to do is to damage it. But then if you use your ears to hear, you're using them properly and that's what they're for. But you would not go around with your ears plugged, with your mouth wide open. I can't hear anything. Your mouth's not designed to hear. Your mouth is designed to speak and to eat, to breathe. So when you take something out of its purpose and try to force it to function in another purpose that it wasn't created for, it's destructive to that member of the body. It's destructive. It destroys that member of the body. And I'm not, I'm taking that in complete context as to how Paul taught it because Paul was trying to teach we all need each other in the body because we all do different things for the same body. 
I'm not trying to be somebody else because they're already that person. I don't need to be them. They're already them. You see what I mean? Like people trying to run around and be their favorite person in the body. Don't do that because you're not them. I'm not trying to be Joel Osteen. I'm not trying to be T.D. Jakes. I'm not trying to be Rod Parsley. I'm not trying to be any other member of the body of Christ. They're already them and doing a phenomenal job at it. I have to be who God called me and created me to be. That's when I'll become effective. That's when my increase will come because I know what I'm supposed to focus on. Remember this, and I like that Pastor Bill said this a moment ago, is that, you know, it's important to say no. It's important to say no. And so one of the things that we've got to learn how to do is to say no to the things that don't correlate with our purpose. Just say no to them. Don't spend, why would you spend valuable time doing something that has nothing to do with your purpose? Why? Why would you waste that time? Remember that time is short, that Jesus is coming, and that we've got to actually accomplish the purpose we've been given. Absolutely true, Brother Nick end up starved in death. So what, what do we have to do? We've got to be able to say no to the things that do not uh, attach themselves, if you will, to our purpose and our calling. Not called to do everything. I'm not called to do everything. I've been asked to do many other things, but I don't do them. You know, it's like if we, imagine just like, for example, even imagine how much money people would save in the body of Christ if they would know their calling and then just pursue it. Imagine every college student that grew up in church that still doesn't know what they're supposed to do with their life, that goes to a university and then changes their major three times, racking up student loan debt. They get out of school and they have to work until they're 45 or 50 years old to pay off the tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt that they had that was actually brought about by delay because they didn't know what they were supposed to do and sat there in university and changed their major three times. As a Holy Ghost-filled believer, you should not have to do that. You shouldn't have to flounder. You shouldn't have to wonder what you're supposed to be doing with your life. You should be able to know by the Holy Spirit what you're called to do and then pursue it. I knew that I was called to preach the gospel at the age of five years old. That shows you that you don't have to be 21 to hear from the Lord. I truly heard from the Lord at five years old. My father was uh, holding a revival up in northern Maine and actually across the border in Hartfield, New Brunswick. And... uh, a church, Pentecostal church there, old Pentecostal pastor who's now gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I felt my spirit at five years old to get out of the pew during praise and worship service and go down to the altar and pray. Because, And I, I looked at my mom and I said, should we get out? You know, because the night before we'd all gone down to the altar to pray. I said, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to go down and do it again right now. She said, well, we're not doing that right now, but if you feel to do it, then you get out and go. And so I got out of my pew and and walked down in that little Pentecostal church in New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, thank you, Brother Ben. And I and came down and I knelt down and began to pray at the altar. Well, that pastor 
who was an older man even then. <clears throat> he pulled me over and he stopped and he took the microphone, <clears throat> sat me up on his knee on the altar. <clears throat> and he said, many of you don't understand what's happening right now, but the Lord is calling this young man to preach the gospel. I was five years old when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, came down, told my father the next morning. He said, how do you know you got filled with the Holy Ghost? I said, because I spoke in tongues. He said, that's a good answer. <laughs> and you don't have to be 21 before you know what you're called to do. If, you're, if you'll listen, God will speak to you. If you'll pray, God will speak to you. If you'll fast, God will speak to you. He's not, listen to me, he's not trying to keep your purpose from you. He's trying to reveal it to you. He's not trying to keep you in a place of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He's trying to bring you into clarity. That's the whole reason he sent the Holy Spirit, to lead you and guide you into all truth. And so I want you to hear this because you can know early on, you don't have to be confused about what your purpose is. Pray and ask the Lord and he'll tell you, he'll show you. And from that day forward, even though other things pulled me in, tried to pull me in different directions, I never lost sight of what my purpose and my calling is. You know, it freaked my teacher out. When I was in high school, public high school in West Virginia, and my guidance counselor came uh, and was like, well, it's time to, <clears throat> it's now time to apply to colleges. I said, perfect. I applied to one. It was a Bible college. I came back to meet with her again, and she said, all right, let's take a look at what you've done. How many universities have you applied to? I said, one. She said, one. I said, yeah, one. One. She said, one. She said, what if they don't accept you? <laughs> Which I don't think she understood how Bible colleges work. <laughs> but I said, oh, they'll accept me. She said, but what if they reject you? I said, they're not going to reject me. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a preacher. She said, but what? She said, but what if, what if, <laughs> and this makes me laugh to this day. She said, but what, what if nobody likes your preaching? <laughs> Like she's trying to get into my mind. You'll have nothing to fall back on. Nothing to fall back on. I said, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that when it comes. <laughs> what if nobody likes your preaching? And you know what? Many people don't like it. <laughs> but it still works. But understand, you don't have to be 21 to hear from the Lord. You can know and you can move forward in that purpose. You've got to ask yourself question number one. When it comes to being able to see expedited growth and increase in your own personal life is what should I be focused on? I'm sure some of you that as you're listening to me teach, you can look over your life right now and know there are things that are wasting your time, wasting your life away. Things you got involved with that the Lord never really told you to get involved with. And it's just your time, your energy, all those things are being stolen because of the fact that God never put you there. He didn't tell you to do it. He's not, a, he's not building that house. And because he's not building that house, you're laboring in vain trying to build it. Trying to build it. But don't labor in vain. Get rid of that thing in your life. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about things that you might be doing that the Lord never told you to get involved with. And I've seen, I've seen even preachers burn themselves out trying to do something that they saw other ministers doing 
that they thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And they start doing it. And God never told them to do it. And as a result, you know what happens? They start the money that God would have provided if he told them to do it, they have to provide the money. So they start running out of finances. They start running out of strength. They start running out of anointing. They start running out of power. And they burn out. Some of them drop out of the ministry. Some of them never are able to, to function like they did before. Why? Because they're trying to build a house that God's not building. Hey, Colin, God bless you. Trying to build a house God's not building. Don't try to build a house that God is not building. It's a waste. Not only is it a waste of time, it is dangerous to your own personal life and well-being. I'm not going to try to force food into my ear, and I'm not going to try to function as a member of the body in something I was not created to do. If you'll just abide by that alone, it'll save you years of problems and hurt just by obeying that one principle. Find my purpose and obey it. You can power level, like I was talking about before, by only focusing on what God called you to do. Such a vital thing. Let me give you question number two. The second thing, as you've discovered your purpose and as you've discovered your calling, the second question you need to ask is where do I lack? Where do I lack in any area of my life that God has called me to function in that area? Where do I lack? That right there is extremely important because it's important to take seriously what God has called you to do. And we're not taking it seriously if we don't desire to level up the areas that will help us accomplish our purpose and goal. Do you know, I, I, I sat down with, I've, I've sat down with many pastors, but I was in a revival one time. And this is in the context of church growth. And I was speaking to a pastor. And we were out to eat after the service and a bunch of people had been getting saved in the, in the revival. And I said, pastor, it's wonderful. All of these people that are being saved during the revival. I said, now let me ask you a question. What plan do you have in place to, to sustain these people, to keep them in the church, to keep them growing, to take them into next steps? You know, what is it that you're going to do to continue to grow? Because he, he had just said to me, man, I'm so thankful for this revival, Brother Ted. I mean, I'm really believing that God's going to use this revival to, to cause the church to grow. And so I stopped there. I said, so pastor, what plan do you have in place? What plan do you have in place that's going to facilitate this church growth that you're talking about? What is it that you're going to do practically to see the growth take place? He said, well, you know, Brother Ted, I, I just know that if the Lord wants, you know, the church to increase, then the church is going to increase. And, you know, I just, I just believe that he'll, he'll just send the people. And that's not the case. That's not how it works. So what he was really telling me was, I have no plan to see increase in the church. I've got no plan to help these new believers. I've got no plan to bring in other believers. I'm just hoping that God does it all for me. Well, see, he lacks in an area that he can't even see that he lacks. He lacks in the area of discipline and in planning. He lacks in the area of administration. And he doesn't know. So watch this. Because he doesn't know he lacks in that area, 
He'll fail in his purpose and his calling, and he'll stay at a place God never called him to stay, small. God doesn't want him to stay in a small place. You can see that the souls were being saved. They were being added to the church. So the question was, what are you going to do to see increase and to see progress? Well, Brother Ted, I just believe that the Lord, as he desires it, will continue to give us increase. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And he's see, if you're blind to the areas where you lack, then you'll always be in a place where you're wondering, why isn't this working? Why isn't my purpose working? Why is it that I don't know, you know, what it, wh- wh- I don't, where's my fruit? Where's my blessings? See, if you're always blind to the areas where you're lacking, and let me give you a couple of things that'll help you because this, I know, I understand this is a little bit more practical today, but people need the practical teaching. It's biblical, but it's also practical. One of the biggest mistakes that you could ever make is surrounding yourself with people that just always tell you how great you're doing. That is a massive mistake. You know, some people refer to those those types of people as yes men. Yes men. Basically, no matter what it is that you ask, they'll never give you clear, honest feedback. And one of the, one of the things that is really a, a treasure is if you have friends in your life, maybe... There are uh, people that are in the same area of calling that you are, that you could honestly ask them and in love, not in destructive criticism, but constructive criticism can look to you and say, well, you know, if you want me to be honest with you, there's a few things you're doing that I think are really mistakes. I think if you would change these uh, few things, you would really see uh, an increase. You would really see an increase. And, and if you don't have somebody, I've seen so many people fail because everybody's telling them how awesome they are and they're never challenged to grow, ever. Never challenged to grow. They're never challenged to say, you lack in this area. You lack in this area, time to build it up. It's time to build it up. And it's important. It is very important to say, listen, I can recognize, and humility, by the way, humility allows you to hear that criticism and receive it and begin to realize, you know what? I do need to grow in that area. I do need to grow. I do need to make changes and see myself increase in that area. And if I would, my purpose, the thing that I'm supposed to be focused on would actually function at a much higher level if I could increase that area of my life. So you've got to be able to know where you lack. Know where you lack. I mean, to this day, I've been preaching for 20 years preaching for 20 years. And to this day, I'm still studying things and learning things. How can I be a better minister? How can I preach at a better level that people will not only more understand what I'm saying, but feel the anointing of God when I preach and be able to apply the things I'm preaching? How can I better minister to God's people? Now, 20 years I've been doing it. But it doesn't mean that I think to myself, well, I got the preaching part down. Now let's, no, no. There's always room for increase. There's always room for increase. If I thought that I was the greatest preacher now that I was ever going to be for the rest of my life, if Jesus tarries, what a letdown. There's going to be, not going to be any more increase than this. I might as well quit. Always looking to increase. I can't remember. I, my, my uncle Tiff was telling me this and I, I don't remember if he said that 
um, Billy Graham did this or if it was just something that he did. But one of the things that I thought was so intelligent, I think he said Billy Graham did this, that he would prepare his message and then he would think to himself, all right, here's my message. Now, what am I going to say in this message that's going to resonate with the 65-year-old, 70-year-old married couple that's retired? What am I going to say in this message that's going to resonate with the seven-year-old kid that's in school? What am I going to say in this message that's going to resonate with a 20-year-old college student? What am I going to say that's going to resonate with a 40-year-old working family? Making sure that even though he was a masterful speaker and a wonderful minister, always making plans to know deliberately, what am I going to do in actual fact that's going to make changes in the lives of all these different people that I'll be speaking to? Where do I lack? What can I do better? What can I do better? Only, listen to me, and this is so key, only humility can ask that question. Pride will never ask that question. Pride will never say, what could I do better, ever, because pride thinks it does it the best every time. And pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so understand me, only humility and meekness can ask this question, where do I lack? What could I do better? So vital that we ask it. Oh, looking over all that you're doing for the Lord, your calling, your purpose, look over it. Did you know what's interesting? I was reading this. The uh, Truett Cathy that was the head of Chick-fil-A was being interviewed and he said that at the beginning of every month, every month, he would take an entire work day. Think about this. S. Truett Cathy, take an entire work day Tell his secretary, hold all of my calls, all of them. I will not be bothered. Beginning of every month. And he would sit there and think over his corporation, what he was doing, what he was accomplishing, what he could do better, and then plan out the next 40 days of his corporation, Chick-fil-A. Plan out the next 40 days. And sat there, and what did he do? Took the whole day to think about it. Not get too busy to get introspective and say, all right, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Can I give you an example that'll help you? I was reading this, and this, if this seems too practical, it's not. You need to catch this. Um, Southwest Airlines, I was just reading this not long ago. Southwest Airlines, you talk about sticking to your purpose. And and I'm afraid that so many people, especially ministries, are not willing to do this at all. They think, well, if we can, as I said in the beginning, if we can do it, we should do it. If we can do it, we should do it. Don't do it just because you can. Do it because it's part of your purpose. So I was reading this. Southwest Airlines has always had the purpose of trying to give the lowest airfares of any airline. That's been their goal and their purpose since the beginning. And I was reading this that in a in one of their board meetings, someone had suggested another great idea for Southwest that um, they could do that no other airlines were doing, and um, 
they said, here's, a, here's, an, here's an excellent thing we could incorporate for our airline. Every person that flies Southwest Airlines on every flight, they get a Caesar salad for free. This was the idea. So not only do you get the lowest airfares, but now we're going to be providing <coughs> Caesar salads for every person that flies on Southwest Airlines. Well, they had the ability to do that without question. But I thought this was so intelligent because what did they do? In the board meeting, they went back then to their original purpose. And their original purpose is we provide the lowest airfares in every, of, of any airline. So the question that was asked about that idea was, no question, it's a good idea. It's an idea that'll be appealing to people that fly Southwest, and it'll probably draw a crowd to Southwest because of it. But here's the question they asked. If we provide a Caesar salad for every person that flies Southwest, can we still fulfill our purpose of having the lowest airfare of any airline? And when they did the math and figured out all it would cost to not only prepare them, buy them, put them on, and feed them, they found out that if they did that, although it's a good idea, they would not be able to carry out their original purpose of being the lowest cost airline that you can fly. So although it was an excellent idea, although their customers would have enjoyed it immensely, they scrapped the idea because though they could do it, it would have affected their original purpose and altered it. And so although they could do it, they didn't do it because their goal is to stick with their purpose. Our goal is to provide the lowest cost airfares of any airline. The same needs to be true with your purpose and your call is that, you know, there's a lot of things you could do, but if you did them, would it affect what you're able to do in your calling and in your purpose? Where do I lack? See, I'm looking at the area of my life. What could I be doing better? How could, is this the area that needs to increase this month? If it is, then I need to increase it. And only by meekness, humility, and introspection can you see where it is that you'll lack. And so many people, so many people refuse to ask themselves the question. People carry too much pride to even admit that they might be lacking in an area. I mean, do you think about that? Think about the craziness of how pride alters your ability to grow. Pride alters your ability to grow. In fact, those that are watching, put it in the comments. Pride alters my ability to grow. No, put it this way. Pride steals my ability to grow. It steals my ability to grow. Isn't that crazy? That... People who have pride in their life, a haughty spirit, would never look at themselves and ask, where do I lack? They would never look at their abilities. They would never look at their uh, at their purpose. Never. So put in the comments, pride steals my ability to grow. And it absolutely does. It doesn't just steal your ability to grow. It actually destroys you and causes you to fail. It goes before destruction. See, remember this. There is no... Um, there is no cruise control or maintenance mode in the kingdom of God. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. There's no maintenance mode. Nobody's treading water. You're moving forward 
or you're moving backward. And pride not only steals your ability to grow, it actually destroys your life and causes your purpose to come to an end. We've seen it happen to so many people, it's not going to happen to you in Jesus' name. It will not be your story in the mighty name of Jesus. It won't happen for you. You'll not be destroyed by pride. Your meekness, your humility will keep you in a place of introspection. And if it needs to change, it will change in Jesus' name. If it needs to change, it will change in Jesus' mighty name. No question. No question. And number three, let me give you the third question we've got to ask. Not only where do I lack, but you have to attach this to it. How can I do better and how can I make it better? So it's not just knowing how you could do it better. It's one thing to know. Now, let me just say, this might seem like these two questions are the same. They are not the same. They're not even close to the same. Understanding where you lack and understanding how to make it better are two totally different things. Two completely different things. I'll give you an example. One thing we've been talking about and dealing with a lot is, uh, of course, we've been working with with the website over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that we're working on is, is search engine optimization. Well, it's one thing to know, and this is a perfect analogy for those of you that are, that are looking at these two questions. It's one thing to know that search engine optimization exists. Some of you may have been heard it, heard it been called SEO. It's one thing to know search engine optimization exists, okay? Another step beyond that. It's another thing to know you need search engine optimization on your website. It's it's one thing to know it exists. It's another thing to know you need it. But let me say this. It's a whole nother thing to know how to implement SEO on your own website. It's a whole nother thing to know how to do it. And so one thing that many people never do is recognize where they lack and by not recognizing it, they can never fix it. But then after you recognize it, you've got to go a step beyond that. How can I make or become better in that area? How can I become better? And it does take work and diligence and dedication and discipline to do that. No question. No question. How can I make it better? And so there's a couple of ways that I want to approach this before we go any further. How can I make it better? Well, there's two things that I would really say to every person. Once you've identified the areas where you need to grow in your purpose and your calling and identifying them is very important. Trust me when I tell you that, that is baseline. But now, how can I make it better? Well, two things that need to happen. Number one, Number one, the Bible teaches us that we've got to study to show ourselves approved. Now, in the context that that was written from Paul to Timothy, he was writing it to Timothy in regards to Timothy's purpose, which was being a pastor or a minister of the gospel. And so what did he say to Timothy? Study to show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed who is what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul was telling Timothy, get better at preaching the word of God to your people. Study until you get better 
at preaching the word of God. Well, that was his purpose. That was Timothy's purpose. You're watching me today. That might not be your purpose. Your purpose might be something completely different than that. Maybe you've got a business. You know, maybe you've got, uh, uh, you know, your own home-based business. It doesn't matter what it is. But once you recognize where you lack, then you've got to ask yourself, how can I study or put myself through some kind of a, a, a test, diligence, dedication, faithfulness to take those skills and those areas and lift them higher so that because God did give me this purpose, I can present myself to him without ever having to be ashamed. That's what Paul said. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. The people who need to be ashamed are the people who know that they lack and do nothing to fix it. They know that they lack. They know they're missing out on increase, but then they do nothing to alter what they're doing in their purpose and in their calling. And so number one, study to show yourself approved. Continue to increase. Continue to get better, better. But every time I've ever met somebody that was extremely successful in what they were calling called to do. These were people that never stopped studying their entire lives. Never. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. Even at the end of his life, as he's writing letters, what did he say? He said, when you come, not only do, do I want you to bring my cloak, but he said, bring my books, my parchments, and my notes. Look at Paul. Probably the most intelligent man in the New Testament outside of Jesus Christ. That can, that, that's beyond debate. He was. And at the end of his life, still reading, studying, making notes. Still. as in, in his old age. Studying, making notes, reading. Why? You've got to study to show yourself approved. What are you doing? I mean, like this week. This week, what are you doing to increase your purpose? What are you doing? Did you schedule it? Do you have scheduled times to increase your purpose? Do you put it in your phone? Do you schedule it in your phone? Do you create a prioritized schedule to increase the things that you've been called to do? Let me just say this. God views it as wicked. And, and this, this blows people's minds. But God views it as wicked if he gives you a talent and comes back a year later and your talent is still in the same level as it was when he left you. I know that because of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. A master of the house gave talents to three of his servants. He gave the first one five talents, the second one got two talents, and the third one got one talent. When he returned from his trip, the first servant had turned five into ten, he turned the second one had turned two into four, and the last one had buried it in the ground. Cruise control. Cruise control. And what did the master say to the one who had buried it in the ground? He said, if you knew I was a hard master that uh, reaps where I don't even sow, at least you should have put this in the bank so that I would have gotten interest on what I gave you. But then what did he call him? You wicked servant. And what did he tell say to be happened to? He said, cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. God views maintenance mode as wicked. He views maintenance mode as wicked. I agree with that. Open doors are the result of a developed gift. No question. Because if you're not solving problems for anybody, if you're not bringing answers to anything, why do they need you there? They don't. They don't need you there. 
And so God looks at maintenance mode and calls it wickedness. You're supposed to be constantly increasing in your gifts, talents, and abilities, and in your purpose every single day. What are you doing to increase? What are you doing to move forward? That's the question. How can I make it better? And then finally, I would say that the, the, the final thing we need to understand about that, how I can make it better, is that impartation is real impartation's a real thing. And there are some things that you can do much more quickly if you will, by submission and humility, attach yourself to people that have been there and done that. You see what I mean? Been there, done that. And so that's what impartation is. Thank you, my friend Joel. Love you. That's that's exactly what impartation is. That's why I wrote the book Further Faster that just came out. Because you would not believe how many people in the body of Christ don't believe in impartation. But that's why I titled it Further Faster. Because when you attach yourself in submission and humility and reverence to somebody who's gone far beyond where you've gone and listen to their wisdom and serve them and know what they're doing, then you can go further than others, faster than others. It's what allows you to leapfrog beyond the normal. It, you know, it's think about this. It's what allowed Elijah and Elisha. You know, those weren't the only two prophets on the earth. There were all kinds of prophets in that story. The schools of the prophets, the Bible says. And so they were going back through the, all the locations of the schools of the prophets and the sons of the prophets were there. And they were they kept telling Elisha, don't you know your master's going to be taken away from you today? And he would say the same thing. Of course I know Elijah's going to be taken away. Just stay quiet about it. So here's the interesting thing. They were all receiving impartation from Elijah at one level, but Elisha made up his mind. I'm not just going to receive an impartation. I'm going to receive a double portion. And so he stayed with Elijah. Now, all of those other prophets in training knew Elijah was getting ready to leave the earth, but they were not hungry enough to stay with him like Elisha did. So you know what happened? They didn't get what Elisha got. And when they crossed the Jordan River, the Bible says the last miracle that Elijah performed, took off his cloak and he struck the water and the Jordan parted and they walked across on dry ground. When they got to the other side, they saw the chariots and horses of fire. They were taken up. Elijah was taken up into heaven, dropped the cloak to Elisha. Now remember this, as he came back, the very last miracle that Elijah performed, the parting of the Jordan, took him his whole ministry to get to that place. But it was the very first miracle that Elisha performed. He came back to the Jordan, took that cloak and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Struck the water and just like it did for his father, it was his spiritual father, it parted for him. And as he walked, now watch this, as he walked across on dry ground, the sons of the prophets from far away said, looking at him, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. What happened? He got to a place where he became their teacher. If you go on a few chapters further, he's sitting in Elijah's old place. He's teaching the sons of the prophets. What Moments ago, he was on their level. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He went further, faster. He was able to level up by his service, by his faithfulness, by his hunger 
to those that are, that's how it works. You find as, as we understand some people in the world call it a mentor. It's not a mentor. It's a spiritual father. I want to find someone who is doing what I'm doing at a much greater level. And I want to glean that spiritual gift from them. And the Bible teaches that it happened in the old Testament happened in the new Testament happened in the gospels. It's God's system of promotion in the kingdom, impartation. Why should we have to start at the ground level every generation and try so hard to get to where the last generation got to? Why would we not be willing to be humble enough to receive their wisdom, their correction, serve them, take on their vision, and then go further than they went to start where they left off? I love what my pastor, Bishop Rick, says many times. He'll say, uh, speaking of his generation, he said, our ceiling will be your floor. Think about that. Our ceiling will be your floor, meaning you shouldn't have to start where we started. I thank God for my grandfather who pastored for 62 years in the kingdom of God. But where he started is not where I started. I can tell you that. Then he had four sons and all of them took that baton and continued to run and they didn't start where he started and they will not end where he ended, but ended a much higher level. But in the third generation, I didn't start where my father started. I got to start beyond because of his faithfulness, but also because of humility and and service and and dedication and understanding that if we will incorporate the wisdom and spiritual gifts from the previous generation, this will help us to not just know where we need help, but it'll actually cause us to go further faster. We'll go higher. We'll go higher. That's one of the ways. It's not just study to show yourself approved. It's like, it's like stupid. I've heard people say this. This is actually something I heard someone say. Well, brother, we need to read less books about the Bible and read more of the Bible. Oh, really? You think that's the case? You think, because if that's your logical way of thinking, then you could also say this, we need to hear less preaching about the Bible and just read the Bible. No, we need to hear what God has revealed to his men and women. He set the system up of fivefold ministry gifts being in the church to perfect and equip the saints. We need preaching on the Bible. We need books that are written about the Bible. We need to hear what somebody learned after 60 years of service that they're putting into book form that now can be left from generation to generation. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me one time, I heard him say, and you may not know these titles, but if you don't, write them down. Brother Kenneth Hagin wrote a book called The Believer's Authority that changed the world, changed his generation, The Believer's Authority. The Lord said to me one time, what if the believer's authority was just a message Brother Hagin preached in a church one time and not a book that he released? He said the same thing to me about healing the sick by T.L. Osborne. He said, what if that was just a message he preached one time, or really it was a collection of messages, instead of a book that he published? Imagine that. We need less books about the Bible and we need more reading of the Bible. No, I want to, because here's the thing. I may not be able to get immediately what that man of God got after 30, 40 years of fasting and prayer and study and faithfulness. He could deliver to me through impartation of knowledge and wisdom what it would take me 30 and 40 years to get. You see? So by impartation of wisdom, knowledge, 
and that's what he received from the Lord, now I'm able to readily have my eyes opened and see and receive it as revelation instead of having to beat my head against a brick wall trying to get it for myself. I could. I have the Holy Spirit. But if God didn't just give us the Holy Spirit. He gave us men and women that went before us. And as Paul said to the churches, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to set the example for you and cause you to know what to do. That is what true spiritual fathership does. It puts you in a place where you can see in practical example what you should be doing. And that's why you've got to not only study to show yourself approved, but locate somebody who's doing what you're doing at a much higher level and glean from that person. And know, if I'm going to increase, number one, I've got to know my purpose. Number two, I've got to see and know where I lack. And number three, I have got to study to show myself approved and attach myself to those that are doing the same at a much higher level. That's why we honor them. It's why we pray for them. It's why we listen to what they say because they've been doing it longer. They've got wisdom we don't have. They've done things we've never done, but we desire to do. That's what impartation does for you. And it leads you to a place of never-ending increase. Never-ending increase. And that is God's desire for your life, by the way. A life of never-ending increase. I want to pray for you because, see, as we're in this time right now when some people are discouraged, some people think they're moving backward. We're not. We're moving forward. We're increasing. You know, that, that's where God gets the most glory, when we increase during a time that looks like famine. That's when God gets the glory. And that'll be our story. We will increase in a time that looks like famine and we will excel. You will excel in Jesus' name. You will increase supernaturally and steadily in Jesus' name. So I want you to bow your head. Father, I pray for every person that's watching today. I pray for every person connected to this ministry. Father, I pray that you give us a hunger and a desire to grow and increase in the purpose that you've given us for our lives and that we would never miss out on what we're called to do in Jesus' name. Give us a hunger for growth. Father, for those that don't know yet what they're called to do, I ask you to speak to every man and every woman that is currently ignorant of their purpose and reveal it to them through prayer and fasting. Show them exactly what they've been called to do. And as they do it, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would have the humility to stay on track and only do what you have called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that. We give you glory and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. If you believe it, put some big amens in the comments, throw some hands up, and let God know you're thankful for what he's done in your life. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.